On today's episode, I'll explain some of the reasons I've heard for people's fear of investing, as well as the steps that you can take to get started. Today's episode is not financial advice, and I do include appropriate resources in case you're looking for advice. Let's jump in. Hi. Welcome to Healthy Wealthy Roots, a podcast about financial wellness, mental health, and parenthood. I want to start off by letting you in on a little secret. I did not think that investing was for me. I grew up in a very small country that has been getting a lot of press lately, and In my country, investing is not really something that people talk about. And so when I moved to the United States, I paid attention to what I visibly learned about investing, which that essentially white men were the people investing. And in particular, affluent people were the ones investing. And so I believed that investing was not for people like me. It wasn't until I joined the personal finance space and started digging into what I owned, what I owe, all of that stuff. And I realized that my retirement plan through my employer that I had had for a few years and that I was contributing to every month was actually being invested in stocks and bonds. I had no idea because I did not grow up around the American version of a retirement plan. And so I had absolutely no clue that technically I was already investing. And once I realized what my uh, retirement plan consisted of, it hit me that if my employer, and I have a pretty large organization that I work for, if my employer could be putting money into this account and encouraging me to do so, then yes, this is for me and there must be something to it. Otherwise, why would they do that? right? Once I got to that place, I developed a level of trust in the system, the financial system and the stock market that I did not have before. When I think about the people who I have encountered who've shared with me that they've thought about investing, but they're afraid to do so, I think about what their beliefs might be about investing why exactly are they afraid? Um, Aside from not thinking that it's something that is meant for you, some of the other reasons that I have heard are that they are afraid of losing all of their money. Uh, I have also heard that uh, for some people in the past, they have gone without And it is a very difficult concept to quote unquote part with their money, the money that they now have, because they have experienced poverty in the past. Um, I have heard other reasons as well, 
I'm afraid to invest because I don't know what to invest in and there are so many options. Um, and so essentially, that's really the starting point. What are your beliefs about investing? And once you can figure out why you're afraid, what exactly you're afraid of, then you can start to tackle your fear. So for instance, taking the fear of losing all of your money, that can be addressed by taking a look at how money has grown over time in the stock market. If you can see that it's just continued to go go up, over decades, then you're more comf- you're more likely to be comfortable putting your money into the stock market. So if you are afraid of investing and you're questioning and you are interested, start there. Start thinking about what you're afraid of, and then you can start doing your own research into those fears to see if they're valid. Uh, And if they're not, what you can do about them. The thing about us as human beings is we are very much averse to losing, which makes complete sense, of course. I once heard a quote that said, we hate losing more than we like winning. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. However, I can say that In the brain, there are parts of the brain that are activated when we win, and there are parts of the brain that are activated when we lose. Um, These studies have been done with winning and losing games. Uh, They've been done with people who are placing bets on sporting events. They have been done on people who are uh, winning in terms of like an arcade game, things like that. So that's how we understand how the brain works. And when you lose money, even if it's fake money for a study that you are participating in, the parts of the brain that are activated are also activated when we experience fear and when we experience physical pain. So losing money actually is painful, literally painful. And your fear of losing money is valid. So you are not crazy. (laughs) There is actual science to back this. Um, And there is a whole field of neuroeconomics that is involved in studying all of these things. So when it comes to fear, from a psychological perspective, there are a couple of things that you want to do. One of the things about fear is that we fear the things that we don't understand. When you think of all of the phobias in the world, you'll realize, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for instance, xenophobia is the fear of people who are not like you, who come from places that are not your place. And the same thing can be applied here when it comes to investing. If you are afraid of it, it may be that you don't completely understand it. And just in getting to that understanding, it can reduce some of those fears. 
So how do you go about understanding the stock market and cryptocurrency and all of the different things that you can invest in, real estate and so on? Well, there are a number of resources that are out there. However, I will say that you should be very careful about where you get your information, especially in this day and age. I mean, I have lost track of how many spam uh, friend requests that I've gotten on Instagram from quote unquote day traders and Forex traders. And those are legitimate things that day trading and Forex are legitimate things. However, not everybody who presents themselves as being a trader is actually legitimate. So just be careful about where you get your information. And if you're looking for information on the basics about the stock market, about cryptocurrency and so on, the website for this podcast has its own library section that includes the podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, books that I like and refer to on a regular basis. And those resources also include some of the basics, the introductory stuff about the market and finances and investing. There is also a book um, if you know about the Four Dummies series, there is Stock Investing for Dummies. And just be careful about the title because other people have written books that mimic that title and I cannot vouch for them. Uh, I don't know how good those are. There are a number of websites that I use and refer to regularly, uh, including Investopedia. Nerd Wallet is one of my favorites, Bankrate, The Motley Fool, and I'll include all of these in the website for today's episode. But just as an example, The Motley Fool has an article on what makes a stock go up, and it's a really great introduction to what a stock is and how stocks move up and down. And I'm sure you've seen the charts on TV. And prior to getting involved in the personal finance space, I had absolutely no clue what those charts meant. But now I understand why things go up and down. And generally speaking, that they continue to go up over time, even if sometimes they go down. And that brings me to the next point. One of the other ways that you can reduce your fare is by taking a look at the historical returns. So what that means is how well has this thing done in the past? And of course, the past is not a good predictor of the future. We have absolutely no clue what's going to happen in the future. So if someone says to you, oh, hey, if you invest X amount of money, I can guarantee you that you will get this percent return on your money in the future, please do not believe them and give them your money because no one has a crystal ball and no one can tell you exactly what is going to happen tomorrow or five years from now. However, what we can do is take a look at how things have gone in the past 
as a way to uh, create our expectation of what is likely to happen in the future. And speaking of that, the average stock market return has been 10% historically before adjusting for inflation. And the stock market has been around for decades and decades and decades, right? What does that actually mean? Well, if I had $200 when I was 20 years old, I had a spare $200, I had a little job, and it gave me just enough money to set aside $200 a month, okay? I'm 20 years old, and I set aside $200 a month from the time that I'm 20 until the time that I'm 65. I don't put any additional money in, no bonuses, I'm not adjusting for increases in my salary, nothing like that. Just $200 every single month from the time I'm 20 to the time I'm 65. If I go off of that historical 10% return that the stock market has gotten before adjusting for inflation, when I'm 65, I'll have just over $1.7 million just from investing $200 and getting that 10% return. Now, the thing about the stock market is not every single year will give you 10%. Some years you get more, some years you get less. Sometimes it's negative, most of the time it's positive. However, generally speaking, it has gone up over time. And you can pull up the charts so that you can see that yourself. On the website, I will include the compound interest calculator that helped me to determine that $1.7 million from that $200 a month so that you can play around with it using the numbers that you know you have in terms of how much money you're planning to invest and where you're planning to invest it and the historical return. One of the things that people are really concerned about is what if the stock market declines and I lose all of my money? The thing about investing is that you don't actually lose your money until you have sold your stocks. So, for instance, uh, this past week, the stock market has been down almost every day this week. And I have not lost any money in actuality because I haven't sold anything. If I were to sell this week, then yes, I would have lost money. The reason why I'm not selling this week, even though things are going down, is because I don't plan to access the money that is in my account for a couple of decades, maybe a decade and a half. So why would I touch it? If I know that historically things have gone up over time, this is just a blip on the radar. And to give you an idea of the whole concept of a blip on the radar, uh, I'm a millennial and millennials really came into our adulthood around the 2008 crisis, recession, and the stock market plunged. 
And a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their homes. And it was a very difficult time. And it took a while for recovery to happen. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the stock market did not get back to its um, the point that it was at just before the crash happened until about 2012, if I remember correctly. And so that is a long period of time. That's four years, right? However, if you were to pull up the chart now of, say, the total stock market or even the S&P 500 index, which is the top performing 500 or so companies, then you look back on 2008, that crash, yeah, you'll see a line that goes down, but in comparison to where we are now, it really does look like a blip on the radar. Even last year, with the crash that happened during the COVID shutdown, that also looks like a blip on the radar now because of how far things have come since then. And so, Crashes will happen. There is actually um, discussion in the personal finance world about expecting crashes and worldwide catastrophes to happen about every 10 years or so. However, that just kind of drives home one of the other points about managing your affair is to keep an eye on the long-term goal. Because if you're planning to invest, you should probably be thinking about long-term. People who get into the stock market in the short term and want to make money quickly, they tend not to do well as a group. Some people will do really well. So I think back to the beginning of this year when we had the GameStop and meme stocks. A lot of people did really well. However, when more people saw that those folks were doing really well, they jumped in and a lot of people lost a lot of money. And so when I think about people who are wanting to get into the stock market, I also think about people who are trying to get rich quickly. And that's not what the market is intended for. And it is exceptionally risky to do so. Speaking of risk, that's one of the things that you'll want to consider before any type of investing. How much risk are you willing to tolerate? For some people, they are okay with just setting up their money in a high yield savings account at the bank and getting small returns on their money. And that's fine. That's a choice that you can make. If you're wanting to invest your money in the market, then you want to take a look at the investments that match your level of risk tolerance. So if you know that, oh, you have a high tolerance for risk, then you will be comfortable putting your money into something that's risky and that may lose all of your money, um, but that you would be okay with that loss. And then you would probably only put in as much as you're comfortable with potentially losing. 
Generally speaking, though, if you are interested in getting into investing and you're planning to do it for the long term and you're hoping that you can eventually use that money for your own retirement, whether it's an early retirement or a traditional retirement or something like that that's your future self is going to use that money for, then you're going to be safer with something like index funds where you invest in, say, all of the companies that are in the stock market. You've spread yourself out. You're not putting all of your eggs into one basket. And that way, your money can continue to grow over time. So all of that to say that you want to consider what you're okay with um, in terms of risk. And there's a term that you will hear when you get involved in investing, and it's volatility. When you look at those charts, if you see a lot of that up and down, that's a really volatile chart. And when I think about volatility, I think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general, but essentially Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're very volatile. They go up and down a lot, very frequently. And if you cannot stomach that ride, kind of like a roller coaster, and that's essentially what it looks like on the charts, then that may not be a good investment for you. If you want something that's more smooth, maybe you need to be looking at bonds. Whatever the case might be, all of those are things that you want to consider. Ultimately, you have to think about what your goal is, and that will help you to determine what to invest in and how much you're planning to invest. There are a couple of quick tips that I wanted to give on managing your fare and what to do about trying to get into investing. Start off with a cash cushion. You probably should not be looking at investing if you don't have any cash set aside for an emergency. Because if you put money into the market, you should not be hoping to access that money soon uh, for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is you don't know when you will get a decent return on your money. And another reason is there are taxes that are involved in selling off your assets. And if you sell it off quickly, those taxes are higher than if you leave your money in there for a longer period of time. So make sure that you have some kind of cash cushion set aside somewhere for emergencies, make sure that you're able to pay all of your bills. Don't be borrowing money to invest it. Um, another thing to consider is inflation. So when you have a cash cushion in, say, a savings account, just remember that inflation is slowly eating away at the value of that money. So for instance, 10 years ago, in August of 2011, if I bought something that cost $5,000, if I were to go buy that thing right now, it I would need over $6,000 to buy that very same thing just because of inflation. And there are inflation calculators online that you can use to see how the value of money has changed over time. But that's just to give you an example. 
Another thing that you may want to do if you're tackling your fear of investing is start small. If you do that, then you can feel a little bit more comfortable about what you're doing. I can give you an example of me doing that myself. Uh, a friend of mine who is a very dear friend and my unofficial financial advisor had told me about robo-advisors. And there are several of them out there, um, M1, Betterment, Wealthfront, Elvest. And what they do, it's a company that has big computers that do the investing for you. And you don't have to pick and choose where your money goes. And because I was not familiar with robo-advisors, what I did last year was I put just a little bit of money in. Essentially, over the course of the year, I had put in about $400. And I wanted to just see what happened with that money. And today, I have over $500 in that account. And so that said to me, okay, this thing is legitimate. I see exactly what it is investing in. I am comfortable with those investments. I see the return that it is giving me. I see the fees that are being charged. I would be more comfortable putting more of my money into it. So start small if that will help. Another thing that will be helpful is to tune out the noise. So try not to pay attention to the news. Uh, some of the finance news folks, they make a lot of money on big losses and big gains. That's their whole thing. They are all about churning out the news about the big losses and the big gains. Tuning out the noise also means your cousin's friend on Facebook who has the latest stock tip for you um, <laughs> and anyone who is talking about the coming crash or bubbles bursting because, again, we don't know what is going to happen in the future. Another thing that is helpful is to diversify your portfolio, which is something that you've probably heard about. Basically, it's what I was talking about earlier in terms of not putting all of your eggs into one basket. And that way, if one area of your basket goes down, it doesn't mean that the whole thing will go tumbling down and break all of your eggs. J.L. Collins who wrote The Simple Path to Wealth, which is like the unofficial Bible of the financial independence movement. He has a really great YouTube video. It's a guided meditation for when the stock market crashes. And I absolutely love it because he has like a grandpa voice that's like comforting. And he talks about tuning out the noise like I've been mentioning and also remembering that the stock market has always gone back up and to not sell and things like that. And I think that that's really helpful. I'll include the link for that in the website for today's episode as well. So with all of this information, if you still feel like you need help, then that's okay too. 
there are financial advisors out there in the world whose entire jobs are involves helping you, right? However, please, please exercise caution because you still want to know something. It is not a great idea to just hand over your hard-earned money to someone to do who knows what with. Uh, the things that you absolutely should know, what are you going to be investing my money in? And what are your fees? And those are very important things to ask. When it comes to finding a financial advisor, it is usually advised that you use a fiduciary and a fiduciary is working in your best interest and you can ask any financial advisor, are you a fiduciary? A lot of people also just use a fee-only fiduciary so that they are not constantly taking uh, money out of your pocket through your investments. If you are looking for an advisor, there are a couple of organizations that have directories here in the United States, and those include the Association of African American Financial Advisors, the National Association of Certified Financial Fiduciaries, and the National Association of Personal Finance Advisors. I hope this has been helpful. I am wishing you luck on your investing journey. I promise you that it is not as scary as it looks. Just take one footstep at a time. Thank you for joining me today. You can check out the website at healthywealthyroots.org. Most of the episodes have additional resources on their very own page on the website. You can also follow me on Instagram at Healthy Wealthy Roots, as well as on Clubhouse at HWR. Remember, our future grows from Healthy Wealthy Roots. Switching gears, on the next episode, I want to give some inside secrets on the life of therapists. I had a friend who was very surprised to know that therapists think about their clients between sessions. And so I wanted to share some of the things that you may not know about your therapist. This podcast offers only a look at what I'm doing and is not meant to substitute the results you can get from working one-on-one with a professional.